Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like that was me. Well, sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again with the NFL Week in Review. Uh, I know we were off last week. We had some uh, things, go- crazy things going on, uh, fun things going on, but we're back here this week. And, of course, joining me is, as always, always a pleasure to have him on the show, the NFL exporter himself, the one, the only, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, very exciting time for everybody. Body. We uh, started way back at the beginning of September with 32 teams, and here we are in February. Uh, two teams standing, a chance to win it all. Super Sunday, just a couple of days away, so I know everybody is excited. And uh, you know, Super Bowl parties are one of the funner things uh, that people like to do and enjoy. So uh, I'm pretty sure everybody's uh, gearing up for the big game on Sunday. Absolutely. Uh, you got any? Uh, you, you throwing a Super Bowl party? Or are you just uh, gonna chill with the family on this one? Yeah, I, I'm just low key. Um, I'm not sure exactly where. I'm I'm going to be, but I'll be at somebody's party. I'm not hosting one this year. I'm going to just be a, uh, a participant and a uh, viewer of the game enjoying the festivities. What about yourself? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, like I said, if somebody invites me to a Super Bowl party, I'll, I'll gladly go if I'm not doing anything that Sunday. Uh, but usually I'm either, usually I'm chill at home. You know, sometimes I know uh, when, when my dad was in town, the family, that's when we would all get together and, uh, you know, watch the Super Bowl. So, um, but now that he's in Chicago, I don't know what I'm going to do this time around. Maybe maybe all of us will watch. I don't know. Or it might just be me by myself in the studio. I'll, either way, I'll figure something out. Absolutely. For, now, obviously, we know this Sunday, Day is the big show, the Super Bowl. But before we get to that, obviously, uh, we had the uh, conference championship games, the final four, battling it out to see who would get to the last two spots for the Super Bowl this Sunday. So, uh, Lance, what would you say were the highlights of the conference championship games? Well, in the NFC, for Eagles fans, I guess the entire game was a highlight for the 49ers fans. Uh, that game was an absolute nightmare. Uh, when you look at the how that game unfolded, uh, it was over pretty quickly. There were some plays early on in that game that completely changed the complexity and overall outcome of the game. Uh, Philadelphia was able to receive the football first on their opening drive and uh, went for it on fourth down one time and got it. Uh, went forward on a fourth and three. And this was a huge error uh, by the NFL. I must say that Roger Goodell, I seen uh, a headline on ESPN this morning with Roger Goodell saying that officiating in the NFL has never been better. Uh, Obviously, he is not uh, taking note of the dismay uh, the frustration that fans have not only had all season, but definitely during the playoffs. And when you look at that Philadelphia San Francisco game on that fourth and three play that I talked about or just spoke of, uh, Philadelphia's quarterback Jalen Hurts was flushed out the pocket, rolling to his right, threw a pass downfield to wide receiver Devonta Smith. Uh, Smith went up, made an excellent play on the football, uh, one hand uh, stab to try to bring it in. And um, the play was obviously incomplete. Uh, nonetheless, it was called a completion on the field Uh, at that point Philadelphia very wisely uh, there are very few teams in the NFL who are are prepared the right way which is uh, if you ever have a play that is in question on the football field your offense immediately wants to sprint to the line of scrimmage snap the football as soon as possible just to ensure that the other team or even the booth does not have a chance to review the play and that's exactly what Philadelphia did Uh, I had to give, give a big hat 
hats off to their team and their coach. Uh, that is where that is one of the areas where you see coaching definitely stand out. Uh, obviously, if Philadelphia thought the play was 100% in completion, they would have just walked up to the line of scrimmage and ran their next play as normal, but they did not even know. And those guys sprinted up to the line of scrimmage, snapped the football before the 49ers. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't know if the word before, but before the 49ers, I guess it crossed their mind to challenge the play or call a timeout. Philadelphia snapped the play um, and eventually end up scoring a touchdown to go ahead 7-0. to uh, After that next play that I'm speaking about, uh, after the ball that was called a completion by Devonta Smith and then Philadelphia ran up to the line of scrimmage and, and snapped the ball to get to a next play, they showed instant replay and it was an obvious drop. Uh, Devonta Smith did not catch that football. It was plain and clear to see that the football hit the ground. Um, and the reason that I say that the officiating is horrible on that call is because it's impossible for the referee to have seen that play and call it complete. It was an obvious drop. There was just no type of way around it. Uh, the, from the view I seen, the referee who was closest to the play, uh, the receiver had his back to him. And so I don't understand how if you do not see for sure 100% that a catch is made, how do you call that complete? The proper and right thing to do, and this is where NFL fans, myself included, get frustrated, get disgruntled, get upset, uh, is because that is not the way that you are supposed to officiate a game. What you do in that situation, and it's the NFL should be teaching us every single time, you call that pass a drop. And what that drop is going to do is it is going to cause the offense to challenge the play more than anything. It is going to prompt the review. It is going to prompt an instant replay from the booth to happen. And then the right call can be made. And so even if the play is called incomplete on the field, once instant replay and we get a chance as fans at home, the booth gets a chance to look at it. Like I said, the offense would have thrown a challenge flag. Then if it is a complete flat pass, then we can make the right call. But in that particular case, I think it was just uh, bad officiating. I, I just don't understand how you can call a play complete, a completed pass when you do not even have visual evidence yourself as a referee that the catch was made. And uh, like I said, Philadelphia, give their head coach Nick Sirianni, give the offense, give quarterback Jalen Hurts, give their offense a ton of credit. Those guys sprinted to the line of scrimmage, snapped the ball so quickly. It did not give the booth a chance to review it. And head coach Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers, there was nobody on San Francisco's defense because uh, because as a defensive player on, on a play like that, Vinny, you can call a timeout. Um, you can even line up all sides, like kind of lag behind the play to where if Philadelphia runs that next play, when a penalty is called, the same thing is going to happen. It is going to prompt a review of the play before. And so that play right there was a huge momentum swing because if the right call is made, which was an incomplete pass, then the 49ers defense would have stopped Philadelphia on their very first drive. That would have gave the 49ers a ton of momentum and confidence. We don't know for sure if their offense would have came on the football field and went down and got a field goal or a touchdown, but just the complexity of that football game would have been totally different. And so uh, I like to, I'll stop right there and hear from you, Vinny. I don't know if you recall the play, but this was the very first drive that Philadelphia had. And again, they went forward on fourth and three. Uh, Jalen Hurts made a great pass downfield. Wide receiver Devonta Smith, love the young guy, uh, second year in the NFL. He's definitely doing his thing, but uh, went up with one hand. It looked like he made a miraculous catch, but it was an obvious incompletion. And like I said, for the 49ers, uh, you just did sleeping, just a step slow. That should be an automatic 
automatic signal that teams should be teaching their defense is that, hey, if you see the other team sprinting to the line of scrimmage, then immediately we should be calling a timeout, having somebody lag behind to get an to get an offside penalty, or we should just be throwing a challenge flag. And without them doing that, that that really was, like I said, the start of uh, of, of of what momentum swing in that game, Benny. And so uh, I would like to know, did you see that play? And, you know, what were your what were your thoughts when it was called to catch? And then after Philadelphia ran their next play and the replay was shown and it was an obvious drop. Well, obviously, with it being an obvious drop, that was ridiculous. I mean, from the angle I saw when I saw the one-handed catch near the goal line, from the way he fell at first, I did think it was, I thought it was a, I thought it was a catch when I when I initially saw it. But then, obviously, when they showed the replay, it was a drop. And uh, obviously, I'll give my, uh, I'll give my thoughts on the overall game. But real quick, this there's one thing you brought up that I'm curious about. And this is just for like, you know, casual fans like myself that might not know, like, obviously, I know the basic rules of football, but there's a lot of other things the NFL throws in that I, even to this day, I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, is that a cure? You said, you notice how they, the Eagles snap the ball to get to the next play. So my question is, why does that prevent the 49ers from throwing a challenge flag? Right. So in the NFL, uh, once the offensive team snaps the football and runs the next play, then the booth or the 49ers, nobody can challenge or review the play. And so that was a critical and that is coaching, like I said, because we're going to get to something here in the next second um, where, where really this game, there were three plays that completely changed this ball game, And that was the first one. Um, if nothing else, like I said, you figure Philadelphia does not score on their opening drive to go up seven nothing 49ers defense is pumped I'd assume their offense and their whole team is pumped and let's just say San Francisco comes out of there with no points but they punt and end up kicking the ball to pin Philly deep in their territory but this is what offenses should be teaching their players which is the way the NFL is when you run a play once you run the next play that negates or stops the booth the referees the officials or the opposing team from reviewing or challenging the play and so that's why I said uh, you you to really tip your hat to head coach Nick Sirianni to quarterback Jalen Hurts probably to their center Travis Kelsey excuse me to their center um, Jason Kelsey uh, I'm thinking about Travis Kelsey their brothers actually going to be playing in the Super Bowl but uh, give credit to those three I'm pretty sure that uh, those directions come down from Nick Sirianni their head coach I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts is in Jason, Jason Kelsey everybody was in sync in unison and so from the time that the play was called a catch on the field Philadelphia sprinted it downfield and made sure that they snap the football to run the next play, which automatically excludes the booth or the referees from reviewing it. It does not give uh, San Francisco a chance, the opposing team, a chance to review it. And that's very smart. You don't even care uh, when you snap the next play. You know, you could just take a knee. It could be for one yard. It can be an incompletion. But what you've done is taken away the ability for the referees or the opposing team to challenge that play. And that's exactly what Philadelphia did. I mean, you, could, you couldn't have been more prepared in that situation where, like I said, Devonta Smith made an excellent play on the ball. I agree with you, Benny. I think that from the angle that the play was initially shown, uh, you certainly um, came away feeling like it, sure, it, it was a strong possibility it was a catch. But at the same time, my initial thinking was, um, we I need to see it. I, I don't I don't see how we are going to just, um, and under those circumstances, a guy leaping up, twisting, doing a kind of a 180 spin in the air and lunging up with one hand uh, to make that catch. You know, that's different from being a guy just catching it with two hands and it clear to see so my initial thought was you know where's the challenge flag you know where where is 
where is San Francisco exactly. challenging this play? And it was a lot of dismay, a lot of outrage about that play when the uh, basically when it came out and people were asking the NFL, hey, that was an obvious drop. Why didn't you challenge the play? They said what, you know, the smart thing that Philly did. They said there wasn't enough time. I mean, we, we basically in the booth, Philadelphia ran the next play so quickly. We never even had a chance to even review it ourselves upstairs. But I kind of beg to differ. You know, it was I think the play was maybe a 35 to 40 yard catch. There was probably about a five second window in there. And uh, I think the whole onus, though, goes on San Francisco. If I'm a head coach, if I'm a defensive guy, defensive coordinator, it's automatic. I'm telling my defense, hey, if we ever see the offense sprinting to the line of scrimmage, then somebody fall down and act like you're hurt. That's going to automatically <laughs> stop, you know, stop, stop play from happening. You know, throw somebody, I give you permission. You won't get in trouble. Go ahead and call a timeout. Uh, throw the flag. So, I mean, this was really just um, a great, great, great coaching, uh, really being alert and aware by Philadelphia and for the 49ers, uh, a step slow. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, the, the trip and fall thing, why does that remind me of the Mighty Ducks, like the first one? That's kind of cool. I thought it was funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall in this game i liked i know you, we talked a lot about jalen hurts that dude was a one-man like wrecking crew in this game like he's again he's another one of those quarterbacks it's a trend that i'm noticing between him and josh allen that you know if they're in situations where if they can't find somebody to like throw the ball to they'll just take matters into their own hands which is rare for me to see in quarterback like, i've noticed that a lot this season but i never noticed in the past so jalen hurts was definitely great um sanders outsmarting the defense at one point for a touchdown um you know the eagles recovered like quite a few fumbles in this game um although at one point johnson like botched and all i'm thinking is they said they kept saying johnson throughout the game and i'm thinking to myself why is pert what, did purdy get injured did something happen that i'm not aware of that he just wasn't playing all of a sudden because like why would you take brock purdy out of the game when you got when literally the game's on the line did he get hurt or something is there something i'm not aware of yeah so that was the second uh game changing in momentum swing in the game and uh, another instance where head coach nick Seri in his defense were just quicker to the punch, just more alert, just more prepared than San Francisco. So after Philadelphia scored a touchdown and went ahead seven to nothing on the 49ers first drive, uh, Brock Purdy dropped back to pass. Uh, outside linebacker Hassan Reddick for the Eagles uh, was able to uh, tackle Brock Purdy. And when he tackled him, he actually twisted Brock Purdy's arm back and the football flew up in the air. And on the field, the play was called an in completion. Well, what do you know? Instead of the 49ers sprinting to the line of scrimmage and hurry up and running the next play, Philadelphia throws a challenge flag. You've seen, a, you've seen about three or four Philadelphia players basically signaling to the sideline, hey, challenge that. You know, that could be a fumble. It was ruled incomplete on the football field, but hey, and sure enough, Philadelphia challenged the football play, uh, challenged that play before the 49ers. Like I said, unlike Philadelphia, after that play happened for the 49ers, they just kind of casually strolled around and got in a huddle and were prepared to call their next play. Meanwhile, their Philadelphia's head coach, he's on the football field. The defensive coordinator's on the football field. You got about three or four Philadelphia players on the field jumping up in the air, and particularly Hassan Reddick, who made the play, uh, sacking Brock, uh, Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, jumping up and down and basically you know, making sure that they challenge the play. It's not about if you lose your challenge. It's not about if you lose a timeout. It is all about this is for, this is a game to go to the Super Bowl and then when you have a, a questionable play you're going to challenge it every single time and lo and behold when they went back and reviewed the play Vinny it was a strip sack it was not an incomplete pass uh, 
Brock Purdy was actually stripped of the football, uh, which allowed for Philadelphia to recover. And on that same play, Brock Purdy, which we now know after the fact, uh, when it was real game time, uh, Brock Purdy had to leave the game with an elbow injury. It was kind of uncertain if he was going to be able to come back. You really didn't know what the status of the injury was. But we found out after the football game that he tore uh, basically a major part of his elbow. And he is going to be uh, unable to throw a football for the next four to six months. That's like the rehab time, like maybe out to five, six months. And so um, that was the next game changing play uh, in that football game. So you could see in the first two drives, you go from Philadelphia really should have had a drop pass, which would have negated them from scoring seven points. And the 49ers, even though if that play would have been an incomplete pass, they end up losing their starting quarterback. And that is how Josh Johnson entered the ball game. Uh, the third and really final nail in the coffin for the 49ers. As you said, Josh Johnson comes in. Obviously, he's unprepared. Uh, he's not ready to play that game. And he's actually basically the fourth string quarterback for the 49ers. The 49ers started their season with Trey Lance. He went down with a broken leg or ankle in week two. They moved on to Jimmy Garoppolo. He ended up having an injury around week 10 or 11. Then they bring in Brock Purdy. He gets hurt in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, you're basically down to your fourth string quarterback, a guy who, you know, is basically unprepared he's not thinking that he's going to be in that football game and uh, the 49ers defense which played excellent all year was able to keep the game close this was actually a seven to seven ball game uh in the second quarter Christian McCaffrey was able to bounce off a couple tacklers and score on a 30-yard touchdown run uh Philadelphia went ahead in the game 14 to 7 and right before halftime the play you just spoke about that was that was really the ball game right there uh Josh Johnson just like you said just completely botched muff drop whatever word you want to use but it was a perfect snap by the center in shotgun ball hit Josh Johnson right in his hands and he dropped and it ended up being a fumble that the Eagles recovered uh, a couple plays later they went in to score a touchdown to go up 21-7 before halftime and that was really it that was really the ball game once Philadelphia understood that Josh Johnson was going to be the quarterback uh they could see that he really just wasn't ready unprepared um and it just changed the complexion of that ball game but those three plays in particular really was the ball game game you know you figure if that drop catch is not uh is not called a catch and Philadelphia doesn't rush up and snap it for the sake of argument let's just say if nothing else we know they would have come away with that first drive for zero points um on the play where San Francisco it was called an incompletion on the field if the 49ers are smart enough and quick enough to the draw to run the next play uh Philadelphia doesn't get another possession and then obviously the injury to Brock Purdy bring in Josh Johnson and Johnson muffin because if he doesn't botch that uh snap it's a 14-7 game at halftime. The 49ers get the ball first. Defense still was playing well. Some adjustments could have been made. But once they went, Philadelphia went up 21-7. to It kind of just took the life out of the 49ers. And then once it got to the second half, and you could just see that Josh Johnson just, just not prepared, not up to the task, not able to throw the football. Uh, it really made the 49ers literally uh, playing with one hand. And Philadelphia was just able to sink their teeth in. Like you said, uh, Jalen Hurts did not do a, a bunch of damage in the air. But certainly, uh, like you said, like Josh Allen, like some of the other talented quarterbacks in the NFL who are dual threat, uh, certainly was able to make some plays with his legs. And frustration just started to set in on the 49ers. Uh, I think the other thing I seen that I had big question marks on the 49ers defense was on a lot of those running plays. You mentioned the one to Miles Sanders. His second touchdown is the one that comes to mind in particular. It just seemed like Philadelphia uh, had more men in the line of scrimmage. When I was looking at the alignment of the 49ers defense, I was looking at... 
basically six Philadelphia Eagles blockers and then like three 49ers defensive linemen and then three linebackers behind them. But the gaps were so huge that it just made it made it easy on those Miles Sanders touchdowns for him to get to the second level and get in the end zone. And so, you know, by the time this game got to the second half, uh, everybody could kind of see what was happening. And, uh, you know, big time congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni in his second year, uh, Jalen Hurts in his third year. Hurts has made tremendous strides, uh, probably would have his season not over yet, but probably would have been a unanimous decision for MVP if he hadn't missed a couple weeks with the Eagles having a top record in the NFL with how awesome Hurts played this year. And so uh, Philadelphia, a team that is moving on to the championship game, but uh, they they really, I don't want to say they had it easy, but when you look at playing against Daniel Jones and the Giants um, in the divisional round, and then you basically within the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, you're playing a team with a fourth string quarterback. Uh, a lot of people kind of think Philadelphia had a cakewalk uh, into the NFC championship game, but a lot of times that is what you work so hard for in the regular season to get that number one seat. Absolutely. And like I said, that was a hell of a game. It was, um, and it was a little awkward because literally my whole extended, most of my extended family lives in Philadelphia. So they're Eagles fans. I have a mom who's a 49ers fan. I haven't really talked to her much since the game. I'm kind of giving her time to cool off, but um, that's definitely going to be fun. So um, how do you feel? What, what were your thoughts on the AFC game? Great game. Um, Patrick Mahomes definitely showed why he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Gutsy performance on that uh, high ankle sprain. I just give Kansas City a lot of credit. I think it was a game that was really up for grabs. A game that Cincinnati uh, had a legitimate chance to win. I'm pretty sure quarterback Joe Burrow. Um, man, it's probably going to be a tough summer for him. I mean, I know he's a resilient guy, very young. Uh, his best days are still ahead of him. But when you look at how closely contested that game was played, uh, it really came down to turnovers. And it was his two interceptions uh, that really end up costing uh, Cincinnati in this game. You figure a game that Kansas City won on a last second field goal that was really helped and spearheaded by uh, an unfortunate play by the Cincinnati Bengals rookie linebacker who in pursuit of quarterback uh, Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes scrambled and was clearly out of bounds and uh, unfortunately the Cincinnati defender pushed him and it is a, it's going to draw the flag every single time uh, in the NFL and rightfully so and that flag gave Kansas City an additional 15 yards and ultimately allowed for them to, to kick a field goal to uh, propel themselves back into the uh, Super Bowl. And so um, I think both of those teams are going to be very good for years to come. Obviously, when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, um, you have a lot of players that are willing to take less money for a chance to play with guys like that because they know they can have uh, have a chance at a championship. Uh, really allows for you to build your team around. We have quarterbacks who are so talented in what they do, but that was really the difference in the game. It was the uh, two errors by Joe Burrow, his two interceptions. And the second one, I think, was the big one. It was costly. It was a third and three. Uh, Joe Burrow, one of the smarter young quarterbacks in the NFL, has become adept to using his feet. You know, he's not a guy known for scrambling, but he definitely has the athleticism. Uh, made some plays early in, er, earlier in that game. I think it was like a third and 13, and he took off and scrambled and got a first down. And I'm pretty sure if he could have that play back, uh, he would. He probably would try to use his feet to see if he could make something happen. When they did show the replay, I must admit, there was nobody open. I'm not sure if there were any lanes to run in. And, and a lot of times in those situations, if you throw an interception and it's deep in the other team's territory and it was on third down, it can be viewed as a punt. But um, that was a great game. Both of those teams uh, are obviously very evenly matched, uh, back and forth battle. Um, I love to see those games play. And uh, Kansas 
Kansas City, though, you know, before the game, I just felt that I, I just I just I just felt Kansas City would win. I, di- I didn't know what the circumstances would be, but I found it hard to believe that Kansas City would lose to Cincinnati for the fourth straight time and especially for two years in a row, because last year Cincinnati went out to Kansas City and beat them in the AFC championship game. Uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So I just found it hard to believe that uh, Kansas City would lose to the same team in back-to-back seasons at home uh, for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But it, it was very close. It, that that certainly was a game that Cincinnati could have won. And um, man, I, I think it would have been great to see that game go to overtime uh, if that Bengals linebacker hadn't pushed Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. Um, that is another game nowhere. Like again, you're hearing uh, <laughs> Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, saying officiating has never been better uh fans would beg to differ because there was certainly a controversial call in a play in that game to where kansas city literally ran an entire play on third down it was an incomplete pass and after the play was over the referee said that somehow some way a whistle was blown or the play never should have been ran and they allowed for kansas city to run that play all over again and even though nothing came of it uh it was just something that seemed very uh sketchy to say the least um i know the head coach for cincinnati was up in arms the cincinnati team you know, everybody's trying to figure like how do you allow for a team to run a play it's incomplete and then after the play is over you the referees come on the field and say hey uh that last play didn't count we're gonna run it over you know somehow some way uh that play never should have been ran a whistle was blown but nobody ever heard it so um again i'm pretty sure roger goodell is is saying that maybe to make himself feel good i don't know uh who out there you know is in his corner in his favor but i can guarantee you if you just ask uh uh, a random 50 NFL fans. I, I, I find it hard to believe that you'd find more than 10 fans who are happy and satisfied with the way the NFL games are refereed. There is way too much inconsistency. Absolutely. I mean, the and it always seems to be in the big games where the referees make the most mistakes. I've lo- I've noticed that whether it's uh whether it's a championship game, the Super Bowl, or a major playoff game, it's uh, it's like I mean, obviously in the regular season there's mistakes made too, but I always happen to notice that it's always big games like this where the most mistakes are made and I'm still trying to figure out why. I don't know if the refs are just nervous and scared or if they need more training or what it is, but I've oh, I, 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 I noticed that. Like, it's always the big games where the referees make the most mistakes. Uh, am I, did you, have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that, like you said, they're making these same mistakes during the regular season, too. I mean, you hear a lot of uh, outcry from fans about, again, and it's inconsistent. That's the thing, That's the and it's never going to be able to be fixed because, Vinny, they train all these referees referees and teach them the rules the same way but how you said it Vinny when we talked about that play for the Philadelphia Eagles yeah every ref- every referee is seeing the seeing the play from a different angle every referee is that human element so no matter how you teach it and that's what makes it frustrating for a fan that hey wait a minute you know earlier today when I watched the Cowboys and Redskins they called that play now I'm watching the Vikings and the Eagles they didn't call that play you know yeah. what, what's up with that and you you see that that weekend and week out you know you just see you never see consistency with these calls and like you said in these big games where team seasons are on the line obviously with uh gambling and stuff like that going on there's a lot of money involved in these games and when these referees are blowing these calls they are definitely magnified to the umpteenth degree absolutely and i will say i i i for one there was a lot of aspects of the game i did enjoy like obviously t higgins with the touchdown to tie the game and valdez with an amazing catch but i noticed that i noticed something with a lot of football teams late 
lately is laterals aren't really their thing. These, these modern day football players, I they're not the laterals just doesn't seem to be working for them. Like Kelsey is a lateral to McKinnon that fails miserably, and then with the Bengals we saw that, and this happened with the Raiders. I think it was earlier this season. The Raiders did the same thing where after the field goal, after the Chiefs did the field goal for the win, the Bengals tried that lateral thing, and at least with the Raiders they almost did something. With the Bengals, it's like it's like they didn't even try. I feel like that was just embarrassing. Yeah, those those plays probably are like a point five percentage. I mean, at that point you're just absolutely desperate. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure for every hundred times that that play is ran, you may possibly get one time, uh, but it, it rarely ever happens. I mean, the amount of things that the defensive team has to have go wrong in order for that play to yield a touchdown, which is essentially what teams are trying to do, uh, it's just it's just impossible. You know, like you said, it it would be really interesting to see um, how it looks for a team with no time left on the clock, basically going you know 95, 90 yards. I mean, how many laterals could you possibly do? Uh, you know, throwing the ball back and forth across the field, backwards, all this type of stuff, and, and actually score a touchdown. I know the one that sticks out in my head the most, um, and I and that's it's funny. I'm gonna have to look and see, Vinny, but the the one that sticks out to me the most, um, and I think this is this this has to be like one of the top classic you know football plays of all time. Uh, this is one from back in the day. Um, I forget who they were playing against, but this was the the team that won was the California Bears, the University of California, the Golden Bears, and uh, they were playing a team and uh that team kicked the ball off to cal cal with no time or maybe five seconds left on the clock and cal went into you know this uh lateral passing you know type type uh type strategy and you know the the opposing team thought the game was over to the point to where like the marching band had already come on the football field <laughs> some fans were already on the football field and cal was able to pull this lateral off and the guy was actually able to score a touchdown as time ran out to give Cal the win and it sticks out in my mind so much because like I said you have as the player for Cal is making his way into the end zone he's running around fans and, and marching band members from the other team to the point to where when he jumps in the end zone and crosses the goal line he actually crashes into and knocks a uh, uh, the opposing teams one of their band players over who's carrying like a big trombone oh. have you ever seen that play no but I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna google it after this because that sounds entertaining it's like ah damn at least at least it wasn't the tuba player because that would have hurt. Yeah, you. It might have been. It might like I'm telling you. When you go, I might. I might be saying you right. And not the trumpet. It was the tuba guy. It's a guy <laughs> who's holding a big tuba, and I don't even think he's a, even alert and aware. And I mean, when the cow player crosses the goal line, and you know, like you said, it's such an improbable play. So the amount of excitement yeah. that was going on for Cal and the guy who was, you know, jumping into the end zone, crossing the goal line when he crashes into that guy carrying the tuba. I mean, that just goes to show how improbable that that play is to the point to where fans and and, and the marching band for the opposing team were already coming onto the football field. They just knew that the game was like, they didn't even bother to finish watching the play. And lo and behold, uh, Cal was able to pull this miracle ladder off and a score a touchdown to win the game. Like I said, that is definitely one of the most iconic and uh, classic his historic football plays of all time. Yeah, I just, I'm looking it up on YouTube now. It's, I just put up a Cal Bears lateral play. Apparently it was Stanford who they played. There it is. That's, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be misquoted. That's it. Uh, and when you watch that video, you are going to die laughing. But that that is like the best I've ever seen it done. I know that there was one time uh, that the Tennessee Titans, uh, they have another one that was called the Music City Miracle when they beat the Buffalo Bills. But it was not the amount of laterals that you're going to see in that Cal uh, versus Stanford video. I think this was a play where Tennessee basically
basically um, caught a kickoff and kind of had their entire team run to one side of the football field, which had all the Bills defenders go to that side. And then it was just one long pass to the other side of the football field to where it was the guy who caught it and maybe had three blockers in front of him and Buffalo just didn't have enough. And the guy was just able to kind of pick up some blocks as weave his way. But this Cal play, I think it was at least three to four laterals. And like I said, that's tough, you know, when you're trying yeah. to pass over guys. We, we've seen earlier this year, Vinny, one of what what is probably going to be included now, one of the biggest bloopers in NFL history. We know earlier this year when we've seen the New England Patriots try to pull this off yeah. against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. We know how that turned out. Yes. I still I still remember the look on Belichick's face as they're walking to the back. Like, I'm literally sitting there going, oh, yeah, I don't want to be a New England Patriot right now because Belichick had this look like I'm going to cuss everyone out. <laughs> just, just that That's my favorite part is as they're walking back, you have, Belichick has this angry, pissed off, I'm going to kill everybody look on his face as he's walking to the back. I don't even think he shook anybody's hand. He was so mad. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, on to the big game, Vinny. Uh, obviously, you're very aware of Patrick Mahomes. You're obviously, yes. you know about Jalen Hurts. You're very, very familiar with both the Chiefs and the Eagles. How do you think, how do you see things shaping, shaping up right now? I mean, if you had to bet your house, your career, your life on it, uh, who, who, who are you trusting the most here? Who do you think is going to get the win? Um, honestly, um, from what I've seen, uh, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Mahomes has played fantastic. I take nothing away from his talent. Uh, but I feel like, you know, Hurts is definitely one of those guys that has, uh, shown to be, you know, a, a jack of all trades on the field. So I feel like Mahomes is good, but he's going to have to really step his game up if he wants to lead the Chiefs to the Super Bowl victory. So I, I don't know. The Eagle, I feel like the Eagles definitely have a lot of momentum going into the game. Uh, the Chiefs got a win over the Bengals, which was a, which was a huge deal. You know, some, some people saw it coming. A lot of people didn't. So I'm definitely not counting the Chiefs out. But if I had to bet everything, I'd go with Philly. I hear you. Yeah, I... I, I... <sighs> Man, if I was in those same shoes, if I had to bet my house, my career, my life on it, my gut is telling me Philly. My mind is telling me Kansas City. I think these two teams match up very, very well. Uh, I don't know that either defense is great. Um, I'm, I'm definitely expecting some points to be scored in this game. I think, again, it could be another one of those games to where whoever has the ball last could get the W. But I, I think I, I'm going to give the coaching advantage to Andy Reid. Um, this is going to be Kansas City's third Super Bowl appearance in the last five years. I mean, they have really um, built. I don't want to call it a dynasty because they only have one championship to show for, but they've been to five consecutive AFC championship games. Like over the last five years, they lost to New England. They uh, beat somebody that I can't recall. They um, lost in the AFC championship game, uh, lost to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, and here they are again. And so something just tells me that uh, Kansas City may be a little bit more keyed in and and, and focused. I think Andy Reid has a bit of a coaching advantage, um, but something I, I, you know, I think the 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 aura around this is Philadelphia, like you said. It just kind of feels like this is Philadelphia's year. And don't get me wrong, they are extremely talented. They certainly will not be lacking 
lacking in confidence. Like you said, Jalen Hurts probably would be MVP unanimous this year if he didn't miss that, what, two to three game stretch. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goldert. I mean, they've got some big firepower at wide receiver. Uh, the running game, you've seen Philadelphia mix in three different running backs, not only Miles Sanders, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Um, all year long, you know, Philadelphia has been tabbed as having the best offensive line in the NFL. And then defensively, you know, their defensive line comes in waves. Uh, they are um, suspect in the run game. I think their secondary is a little bit suspect as well. I think the same can be said for uh, Kansas City, and this is going to be the first time. It's always a challenge when you face a quarterback uh, like a Jalen Hurts. Uh, not that Kansas City hasn't faced Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, some other of the top-tier running quarterbacks, but Hurts is a different animal. And um, so I think if you match these teams up pound for pound, I think that the scale would slightly tip in Philadelphia's favor in terms of um, their players. But I think you give the experience, the head coaching uh, experience and knowledge to Andy Reid, who this is going to be his third overall Super Bowl. He also had a Super Bowl appearance with Philadelphia. And so, again, gut says Philly, mind says Kansas City. I'm torn, but I I'm expecting for this to be a great game. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting to be a great game, and I definitely can't wait uh, to talk to you about it next week. But uh, quickly before we wrap up, uh, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so definitely. You can catch my year in work outside of uh, me and Vinny putting a wrap on things next week. Go to NFLExporter.com. That's N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R, excuse me, N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R.com. So NFLExporter.com. Uh, when you go to that page, right at the top, it has the links to all my social media on Twitter. I'm at NFLExporter, Facebook.com forward slash NFLExporter, Lance Goodman. And then if you live in Atlanta, please make sure to give us a follow on Instagram. That's at UFCATL, which stands for Ultimate Football Club ATL. And uh, man, we've got a year-end party coming up on Saturday, February 25th. I'll be sharing that with you guys next week um, as well. But if you live in Atlanta, definitely uh, give us a follow or just make sure to follow Vinny. Uh, he, he's definitely going to be a part of our huge uh, year-end Falcons party. So uh, we'll definitely get him the stuff he needs for you to give you guys easy access to that as well. Absolutely. And uh, and of course, uh, Lance, as always, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to uh, join us. And uh, I'll definitely can't wait to talk to you next week for the Super Bowl. Absolutely, man. Hey, have a great Super Bowl Sunday. I'll be looking forward to, uh, man, really seeing how this game played out. And we'll have an official champion on our hands. Sounds good, man. Can't wait. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Benny. Talk to you next. All right, and make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Be on the lookout for the latest episode, the male soap opera moment, where the Wens and I recap the WWE Royal Rumble. And of course, next week, we'll have our predictions for WWE Elimination Chamber. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Our latest episode of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s, drops 
today. It's actually out right now. It's called uh, Internet 1.0, Don't Believe the Hype. So make sure you check that out. And I'm currently in the process of uploading a few more episodes uh, to the YouTube channel for you guys to check out uh, next week and in the coming weeks. I'm also editing up the last of them so I can get them out there to you guys. So every week, every Thursday at 2 p.m. will be an episode of Dark Side of the 90s until we get to the final episode. So check out Internet 1.0 right now. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, April 1st and Sunday, April 2nd for WrestleMania 39. That's right. The biggest event in all of professional wrestling is taking place the first weekend in April and there is already a stacked card ready for this event. So far we've got Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Cody Rhodes. We got Charlotte Flair defending the SmackDown Women's title against Rhea Ripley. And we've got Bianca Belair facing the winner of the Women's Elimination Chamber match next Saturday. The winner of that match will face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. There's a lot of rumors going around about some other matches coming up. Everything will be confirmed on WWE and we will find out who will be competing against who in the biggest event of the year. But already with the three matches they've got, it's already worth checking out. So join us on Twitch to enjoy all the fun. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and a special project in the works. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere per month. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>